We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith podcast here. Uh, myself, Alex Hurst, Norman Riley for you today to talk about Manchester City 2, Newcastle United 1. And the fact it wasn't quite as bad as we thought. Not only we're going to talk about the match, we're going to talk about the season so far, how we place this, where we think the lads are with Rafa, and um, maybe maybe uh, some some stuff on on Rio Ferdinand and Keith Bishop as well, which which is never ending. But uh, yeah, first of all, just want to say thank you to our fantastic patrons who pay five pounds a month to keep this podcast that you're listening to free of charge for everybody, and also pay for six to seven extra podcasts a week for the very small cost of one pound twenty five. Uh, thanks to you, lads and lasses, and um, you know I'll try not to mention it too many times during the show. I'm sure you hate listening to me and Norm talk about football. So Norman, yesterday it wasn't as bad as everyone thought. Um, Pep Guardiola and some Man City fans seem to have been quite complimentary to the likes of Newcastle for for the way that we managed to set up and, and stifle them compared to the say Huddersfield, who had as little possession and were as defensive but conceded six goals. Why do you think uh, it wasn't as bad as everyone feared? Was it us being good at what we were trying to do or was it Man City having a bit of an off day? A bit of both, I think. Um, I, I genuinely expected us to get battered, um, and which is ridiculous really because, you know, Rafa teams don't really get battered. You take out the uh, Manu and Watford games last season. Um, Watford, the whole match, we were terrible. Still created chances, but were genuinely terrible. Um, Manu actually taking the lead and and not really deserving to lose 4-1 um, in, in that game. So, you know, it, it's it's more of an anomaly us getting slaughtered. So, so really, I probably shouldn't have been as as paranoid as I was uh, about getting a Hogan before the match. And, and that's, you know, and and what what we did was we we just gave a, a very Rafa Benitez performance against the top six side. Incredibly well organised. He set up a different formation, managed to stifle them. Um, and managed to do almost successfully. It was only a, an absolutely outrageous strike from Kyle Walker, the kind of strike that he hits it another 99 times and it goes wide or goes over the bar, can for a throw-in. Um, nothing you can really do about that. Uh, and also the first goal was, you know, you could... Point the finger of blame at Lascelles for that particular incident. Um, let's not let that take away from his performance for the entire match. He was excellent, but um, yeah, that that's that was just an excellent, excellent um, Rafa Benitez Newcastle United performance. Uh, and also, I do think City. You, you know, there is an argument that they were slightly complacent. Um, they probably just expected, and I'm not saying that they consciously expected this because they're a, a very professional side full of hard work and players. And I don't think they take anything for granted. But I think on a subconscious level. You know, they, they probably thought on a subconscious level that they would just win this game without really having to put much in. Um, obviously, they did win, 
but I think they they were given a bit of a a bit of a surprise and a, a bit of a shock by how just how well Newcastle played. Yeah, I totally agree with all of that. I think um, the fact that Dubravka's played really well, we should forget. You know, without him or an inferior keeper, and particularly without him being as willing to come from his line and cut out balls that were that were you know good passes to Man City attackers. So there is that to consider as well in terms of the narrowness of the defeat. But you know, at the end of it, two really really good goals. Um, Kyle Walker shot. It, it's it's not even gone in the corner. It's gone like in between the post and the corner, which is you know probably the one part of the goal that had to go in. Um, sometimes you've just got to say like fair play. That is a, a brilliant, brilliant goal. I think Rafa said afterwards it was a brilliant goal. Not loads you can do about it. I've heard a couple of comments about people saying people get in the way or should they turn their back off. That's a brilliant goal. Sterling's finish is a brilliant finish. Like it's that this is what happens when you play sides of this quality, and I'm sure we'll get onto that later. But. Um, very proud of the effort the lads put in. I think Rafa Benitez was spot on in his post-match comments. You can see that these lads are are playing for one another and, and, and giving everything for the shirt. And That was what saw us okay last season. And I think that's what's going to see us be okay again this season. Um, do, do, you, do you feel, was the setup exactly what you expected? Do you think that um, it was it was the purely kind of Chelsea-esque performance that you saw or, or were there any differences because I saw a little bit a couple of differences Norman and I thought we pressed the ball a lot better when the ball was in our half and I thought we tried to push the fullbacks a little bit higher on the rare occasions we're in possession compared to the Man City game now it's interesting that both goals against Man City against, against Chelsea have come from DeAndre Yedlin getting forwards um, particularly playing wing back I'd, I'd like to see that happen even more so you know Arsenal at home or you know Man City at home down the line to come if we're going to set up with that five at the back again I would love to see the fullbacks push on a lot more and we didn't get much joy down the left yesterday in terms of Dummett and Perez um, which you know, more Perez later but um, I felt that Dummett was getting forward a lot more compared to what he was against Chelsea do you think that was a reaction to some of the negativity against, from fans and media against Chelsea or do you think that's because Man City have two ultra attacking fullbacks compared to Chelsea I don't think um, I don't think any decision that Rafa takes tactically is influenced at all by the the reaction you might get in the media or from um, from fans on, on on social media about uh, about how negatively setting up. I just think that um, it, you know some some games you play better than others, and yesterday we performed way better than we did against Chelsea. And I, and I don't think it's necessarily down to any kind of major tactical differences in in those two games. Um, I just think, like you say, a Man City style of football allowed. Allowed Yedlin and Dummett to to to, pre- to push on because they they their fullbacks are so high up the pitch. Um, I think it's a system that that we could get a lot of success from against better sides. Um, the the only reason that it isn't going to be as successful as what could what it could be is because basically Dummett is a left back or centre half. He's not as Yedlin is, and I, and and I, uh, Yedlin is, and Yedlin is is a wing back, isn't he? Let's let's be honest. He's he's more a wing back than he is a full back, and he's more wing back than he is a um, a right midfielder. Um, and Perez just kind of play on the left at all. He's played out there and he puts the work in, but he's that that is just so far from being his natural position. I, I think that I think Perez is he would be equally as as kind of comfortable, i.e. uncomfortable. Um, at left back as he's in, on the left hand side of midfield um, I just don't think he's cut out for that position at all regardless of the fact that he puts a work in as I say um, I, I just think I just think that City system um, is it, the, the lads the lads found it and I'm using the, you know, uh, inverted commas here easier to play against than they did against Chelsea so I don't think there was any any tactical changes based on, on the kind of you know the coverage that um, the supposed negative tactics against Chelsea got 
Why do you think he played Perez then? Well, I totally agree with everything you say. I mean, I don't mind the fact that Jose Perez is a, is a number 10 and an attacking player is... I'm not going to use the word wasteful in possession, but you know sometimes he loses the ball because at the end of the day, he's trying to take players on. He's trying to do things in very difficult com- confined spaces against against two, often two defenders or two midfielders. And that's part of his game. And Sai made an excellent point last night when we were watching the match, me and Sai together, that I think he didn't score his first goal last season until November. And he got the majority of his goals post-Christmas. Um, but even for me now, if you look at the one thing I probably disagree with in terms of the selection, I just don't get Perez left midfield. Um, mm. He's too wasteful in possession. When he, you know when he's picking the ball up in his own half, he, he he's not the man for that. Um, why do you think he got the nod over Murphy? And that's Murphy again, who last season had so much success against City with that great goal. Like, what what was the thinking? Do you think from Rafa's point of view? The only thing, the only reason I can see it possibly happening is the the trust levels um, in terms of the the graft that's going to get put in. So I think Rafa, I mean, I mean, this isn't me saying that Murphy doesn't graft, but I think his trust for Perez is so absolute that he'd rather he could get him in the side somehow. Um, and he didn't want to play him in his usual role yesterday because he wanted to change the system. So he, he put him in a position that he's played in before and that, you know, ultimately... He doesn't really do much of a job there, but he can still affect the game in the sense that you've got Walker as a very attacking, powerful, full, like a very powerful player. And I think Perez has got possibly more physicality than um, than Murphy. And I'm not saying that Perez is a, is a hard tackler, but he doesn't shirk. He doesn't shirk challenges and he's got a lot of lower body strength. And I think coming up against Walker sprinting forward, Perez, he maybe thought was a better option at, um, at breaking that move down through, through, through strength, um, whereas Murphy's still a little bit lightweight, and you put Murphy up against Walker, whilst he could maybe do damage going forward. Fair enough, it was a strange one with Murphy not playing against Forrest in the week, um, to, to play neither game, so I, I wonder if there was a fitness issue there, but I think, yeah, everything you say that's correct. Um, you, you know, he didn't have a, a terrible game, Perez, by any means. I just, it was just a strange one, considering I think the last time we saw him play left wing was possibly that Liverpool game in uh, 2016 with Drew Tuas each, and, and Rafa took him off at half-time. And I put that on Twitter, and someone else pointed out the only other players he's ever kind of hooked at half-time were Mitrovic against Wolves when he was, you know, jumping into the keeper. We had a yellow card and Stephen Taylor against um, Southampton for being Stephen Taylor. Um, so, yeah, anyway, that was uh, Perez on the left wing. Um, Norman, we'll, we'll put a few questions to, to listeners uh, at TF Weekly Pod. We are on Twitter. Would love to have your follow. Um, asking a few questions to get where they are with this. Um, there were loads of comments yesterday before the game, um, which which I find a little bit bizarre uh, about you know players who don't play for us anymore in terms of Mitter Rich and Gale and Gale's on loan, um, and, and how we miss them and, and how we shouldn't let them go and all this kind of stuff. Um, you know there is there is the argument that considering we we'll replaced neither when you think about it um, that we shouldn't have let them go. But you know, you know, here's a poll uh, that we'll put to the listeners: Is Salomon Rondon a, an improvement on Dwight Gale at centre forward for United? And the answer was uh, emphatic: eighty two percent yes, six percent no, and twelve percent don't know. So it's fair to say Salomon Rondon has impressed the True Faith listeners. Um, your own takes on, on on his performances so far? I think Rondon's an upgrade on, on both Gail and Mirovic. Um I think, you know, we can look at Mirovic's start, for the se- start of the season in the Premier League. We, we can look at Mirovic since Christmas at Fulham. Um, you know, in the Championship, his goal scoring record per game is excellent. I don't, don't you know, there's, there's no denying that. Um, however, 
it's about systems and he just he was never going to fit in the Newcastle system um, under Rafa whereas um, Rondon does it, it's, it's quite clear um, every game that he the, the games that he come on as a sub i.e. the Spurs game I thought he, he impressed um, the game against Cardiff I think he would have made a difference if he'd had, a, had, had time on the pitch um, he was I thought excellent against Chelsea for the time he was on the pitch again and, and he, he scored a great goal against Forest and he was, he was excellent yesterday um, winning headers Intelligence, running the line, creating space. Um, he's just a, he's a, he's a, he's clearly a very very good player. Um, and I, I you know I, I can't I, I can't see why we would rather have um, Gail Omerovich in the lineup than him. Um, Gail, don't get me wrong. I mean I, I saw Gail's goals yesterday. The, the, the first one in particular was absolutely brilliant. Um, but it's it's in the championship and it's in a different style of play. Um, Gail doesn't offer the the physicality that Rondon offers. I don't think he offers the the strength in the air. Obviously, intelligence. Now, I think Gail's a highly intelligent footballer, so I don't think there's a you know there's a major disparity there. But um, I just think that you know the ease that Gail's kind of already um, you know switched into in, in the championship. It just kind of goes to show that I think he is he's that level for him is he's just brilliant at it. In the step up to the Premier League, I don't think the, I don't think what he has as a player is quite what we need in in, in this uh, in, in the Premier League with the with the squad that you've got. And I think Rondon does, and I think he's a better player. And I think he offers more. And and and, and Rondon's performance yesterday for you? Oh, it was, it was excellent. I mean, it, it was absolutely brilliant. Um, the, the, there's been nothing but praise from from Newcastle fans uh, that I've seen, and also from you know media media outlets. He's um. He went up against you know some of the most expensive defenders in the world, and he absolutely gave them one hell of a game. And um, I think the the goal, I mean, he's part of the goal. The ball that he put across was absolutely superb, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, um, not just not just the ball, but that little delay to get his yeah, you know, maybe to compare him to other strikers we've had in the past, or to get his head up and and realize what's going on and not panic and, and wait for you. And I mean, Yellen makes up like superhuman levels of ground. Um, if you look at where the ball is when Kennedy brings it down, which is a great touch, and we're going to talk about Kennedy later, um, it's uh, it, it's a fantastic goal. It was a great finish, but like you say, um, what what a what a performance by Rondon! The I've got a tweet here. Run. I've got a tweet here from um, a Venezuelan journalist. Um, so I read, I saw that I saw this yesterday. Um, great game from Solomon Rondon, despite Newcastle's two-one defeat against Man City. Um, he gave a great assist. He opened up um, the left channel, um, and he took advantage of um, he took advantage of the, the ball when he had it, and he and he put some great balls in the box. Um, and he also put a fantastic cross in for for Yedlin for the goal. Um, excellent. He played seventy three minutes. Really good. So that's I mean obviously a Venezuelan journalist, you're going to get a bit of bias from them, um, but I think he's pretty much bang on there. He did. He opened he opened up space with his with his movement, his, his directness. Yeah, and, and and one thing I'd say for Rondon yesterday is I think oh, I thought he was fantastic for the role. What we need from him this season probably won't be defined against Man City. It'll be defined against yeah. Bournemouth at home and that. But he's you know he's definitely more adept doing that job yesterday. Well, I mean a million times Mitrovic. Um, but Dwight Gale didn't have the ability, and I think with you know I'm sure Rafa wouldn't have had to had send Dwight Gale on loan to get Rondon in. It would be great to have Dwight Gale still part of the squad. But I think Dwight Gale's yeah. the kind of player that if he's not playing and he, he, it takes him a long time to get sharp, we saw that at the start yeah. of last season. Um, but ultimately, unless we're signing a striker in January, unlikely unless we're in the bottom three, and even last year in the bottom three in January we. Uh, we we signed one on loan to get one permanently. Ultimately, if Rondon gets injured, 
um, we're, we're fucked, aren't we? You know, such is the difference between him and Hosselu in terms of the quality. And it's Hosselu has been great so far. Two goals, fantastic. He's done a great job for it. But um, you saw the difference when kind of Hosselu came on and Rondon went off. You didn't, mm-hmm. you didn't feel any more likely we're going to score despite going to four at the back and despite committing more men, more men forwards as we did uh, in the last ten minutes of the game. But yeah, the listeners definitely uh, from that poll hugely impressed with uh, with Dwight, which is uh, with Dwight with uh, with Solomon. Which is uh, which is good to see. This is just my inherent bias coming through. Like me, brain, yeah, me brain. it's not me. It's me brain. Um, you know. Uh, okay. Uh, we also did a Twitter poll about. Um, oh no, we'll talk about Kennedy now. Actually, Norman uh, Kennedy. It was announced uh, after the game. Some media said that Rafa kind of got Kennedy into his office after the Forest game when he when he had a, a pretty poor game. Um, all in all, um, had a, a big one to one with him. Uh, do you think we saw an improvement yesterday from from you know one of our most important players who's had a really tough couple of weeks? Um, you know what what did he make Kenny's performance yesterday? Um, m- much like the rest of the team, I thought he was um, I thought he was excellent. He was he was at the top of his game in the sense that you know you're, you're going to be limited in what you can what you can do against Man City. But I thought that the job that he that he was given, the role that he had to play in the side, was excellent. Um, he was he was no better or no worse than anyone else. I would say, and you know against against an opponent like Man City who are one of the, the best teams in the world quite quite obviously um, I think what I think with Kennedy I think it's going to be up and down with him throughout the season I think there's a there's a I mean I hesitate to say it but there's a kind of a mental fragility there with him and I think he's going to be a, the kind of player who he's either like on the pitch looking like he's in the depths of the spear or he's you know he's absolutely running things um, and I think Rafa's probably realised that hence the hence the one and one with him and he's he's trying to build up his like build up his mental strength. I think he's one of those players who maybe if he gets a one or two decisions go against him uh, in the first few minutes, or he loses a ball a couple of times, or a couple of passes go astray. I think it impacts on his game quite quite heavily, um, and he's, st- he's still relatively young. Um, so there is that like, kind of element of having, to, of having to use kid gloves with him. And I think Rafa did it this week, and we obviously saw the benefits yesterday because he he put the he put the graft in, and he's he's passing was better, he's running was he's running off the ball was better, and yeah, it was just a, a better all round performance. And I'm I'm really looking forward to, um, to seeing him play against Arsenal. Yeah, yeah me too. I thought you know that touch for the goal was brilliant. There aren't many players that we've got probably that have that technical ability. Him and Perez, maybe the, the only ones to to bring that ball down and play in Rondon was fantastic. Um, and by all, by all accounts, he was playing with a, a headache and an illness, and that's why he was with, was withdrawn so early. So better better days ahead for Kennedy. Um, he's so important to this side. I mean, you know, there seems to be a little bit of of, of online angst with him, and, and he was he was very poor against uh, you know against against Forest. As, as was everybody, <laughs> no one came mm-hmm. out of that with any with any credit at all. Um, but yeah, I totally agree with you that against Arsenal, um, he'd be a massive player for us, and I expect him to see see much more from him uh, moving forwards. Um, Fernandez or Clark? This is presuming Norman that we'll go back to a back four against Arsenal. I really hope we do because Arsenal are not Chelsea and they're not Man City. Um, but Fernandez or Clark? Uh, who would you start alongside Jamal Lascelles? Um, based on what you saw yesterday, oh, Fernandez, Fernandez all day, and that—that's not taking anything away from Clark's performance yesterday. And really, you know, in the league games we've played this season, Clark's, Clark's, um, he's been okay, but um, Fernandez, he's he's calmer. He looks less prone to the kind of lapses of concentration that um, Clark has, and he's more of a leader as well. He's an organizer and a leader, and you saw that yesterday. He's a, you know, he's he's a talker and a, and a shouter, and I think that's that's hugely important because it relieves it relieves the pressure on Lascelles being. The vocal point of the other side. Um, 
Fernandez's experiences, you know, it's it's kind of it's right up there. He's played for Argentina. He's got loads of games in the Premier League, and I just think he's a better player than Clark. So for me, it's 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 a no-brainer. Yeah, fair enough. And and on that, we'll put to the listeners. Um, would you understand if Rafa set up the team as defensively as he had um, in the last two games against Arsenal in two weeks' time? And there was this this was a a close one. So forty-seven percent said yes, which was the most popular answer. They would back the manager playing five at the back against Arsenal. Twenty-four percent said no, which is which is a minority, but quite high. But then a higher twenty-nine percent said depends on injury. So if Shelby wasn't back and Richie wasn't back, they'd, they'd back it. Do you back the manager no matter what, Norman? Against uh, Arsenal, I, I, I have to. I mean, look, look. If you know whatever system Rafa puts up against Arsenal, you know I'm going to be there giving it me one hundred percent support. Um, New, even though you're in Portugal, but I like, well, I, I'm going to be there, like in 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 spirit, and I'll be watching on telly as well. Again, again, the, the plan will be just you know start drinking early on, so Gem ends up having a nap when kickoff happens. That's that's my tactic now. Is you know it's, it's try and test it. Um, but uh, no, the, the I mean in terms of I'll, I'll support his decisions 100. percent Do I want to see us go uh, play with an attacking a more attacking outlook against Arsenal? Of course I do. But if we, if we didn't, then. Then you know what? What's what's the point in sitting there and twisting about it? I'll just you know, it is Rafa's decision, and I'm sure that you know, I'm sure that he'll, he'll more, more times, you know, more, more often than not, he's going to be proven right, um, regardless of, of what ultimately what what I think he shouldn't shouldn't do in a match. Yeah, I mean we're we're recording this before Man City play, um, not Man City, Arsenal play Cardiff today, um, which you and Mike so eloquently. Talked through um, on the uh, the Premier League preview podcast, <laughs> the betting preview that you do for patrons. I might include uh, a little clip of that now for for listeners. So check out this, and uh, if you're interested in more, um, listen to the or subscribe to our extra content on Patreon. Uh, the Premier League show is absolutely fantastic. Norman, John, and Mike do a, a show on a Monday, going through all ten Premier League games, and then they do the betting show on the betting preview on the Thursday, looking at all ten Premier League games and, and the odds on each one. So. Get involved. We'd love to have you on board. Yes, I guarantee it's going to be Neil Warnock bingo. Basically, there will be a few horrific challenges going in from Cardiff, and then post-match Neil Warnock's like, you know, he's not that type of player. Right? He's he's a he's a good lad. He's a he's a good lad. Is that sure? You know, and, and he's just like he's just taking the lad out. Abalmeang's just being taken out at, at waist height and then booted in the head. You know that sort of thing. I can see that coming a mile off. And Warnock is going to be in his absolute element in the lead up to this game during the tell game what, and mate. after the game. I tell you what, mate. Right, you know this this kind of um, supposedly managers the away team's manager goes to the uh, home manager's office and they have like a glass of wine or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is after the match. What the fuck would Emery and Warnock be talking about? You know, like if this happens, what? Can, can you just imagine the conversation between Emery and Warner? I mean, you just it, it like what would it be? You know what I mean? Well, what would it be? What what? I, I can't. I well, can't get what would the drink be? I, I reckon. I reckon Warnock might have a, a tap of Boddington's or a Worthington's cream flow. I reckon in the uh, in like his keg, office, like a keg. Yeah, yeah, keg in the office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like crisps. Just basically against us. <laughs> yeah. Emery goes in there, and and Warnock's got like he's like Warnock's got yeah, he's got the Ginsters laid out. Still in the packet, like, you know what I mean? Not even heated up. Um, and he's got, yeah, keg of... Well, name, name a good Yorkshire ale. John Smith's. Oh. Well, you could, yeah, Tetley, Tetley's Bitter or something on that. Uh, it'd be a... Tetley's? Yeah. yeah. Could well I be. Would, uh, uh, he, he would definitely call him Son as well. It'd be a, come on in, Son. In you come. Let, let, let's have a chat about how lucky you got today. It would be along those lines. <laughs> but um, I, think, I think Arsenal 
are nowhere near the level of Chelsea and Man City. They have fantastic players. Whilst I wouldn't expect to go out there and have a go, I certainly... Well, I would understand if the manager wants to play five at the back, if he thinks that's the best way of winning, fine. But if I'm I'm kind of probably in that, depends on the injury, injuries. Come. If Shelby's fit and match fit, um, you need players ahead of him for him to, to, for him to be able to, to contribute and would be much better playing with two wingers and a number 10 and a striker against Arsenal, in my opinion. But like you say, I'm not going to twist on or sit there and, you know, say the manager doesn't know what he's doing. He knows more than me. But I think Arsenal's a great opportunity to get our season up and running. But I suppose maybe a little bit more on that on that later, Norman. Um, yeah, so listeners, uh, very similar there. The answer is that one on the, on the old poll. Um, and I, I agree with everything that you say about Fernandez. He's really impressed me so far. I, I'm quite impressed by his heading ability. And I know that's probably a little bit boring. But his, his headed his headed clearances are always quite intelligent and in, in, in finding a castle player. Um, but you know, Kieran Clark's done done now wrong, I suppose. Um, but I, I'd probably say definitely Fernandez is maybe an upgrade. And listen, you know, Fernandez cost six million quid, which for for us is like a you know like sixty million quid for a Man City. So probably will get in the team on that. Um, all right then. Let's talk about bigger picture in the season as a whole, Norman. Um, Alan Shearer match today said last night we are on a relegation battle. Uh, true or false to you? How are you feeling about the season and fixture-wise? You know, we've got one point from four games. Uh, we've lost four games, including the cup game against Forest. Um, what, you know, are we in a relegation battle right now? And, and, and how, you know, how are you feeling about the season now? We're, uh, we're four games in and heading into an international break. I think we're. I think us alongside probably another ten sides in the, in the division. Maybe even even you could even stretch it to eleven. You know, eleven sides. If you look at the table last season, we're probably all in a relegation battle up until about you know February, and then a few of them will drop out of that relegation battle, and then it'll you know by by sort of March March April time it'll be down to six or seven sides. So right now, of course, of course, we're in a relegation battle because we're not going to finish top six. We're not going to finish top eight, are we? So at this point in time, then the priority is. To, to get the points not to be relegated. So if you look at it like that, aye, we are in a relegation battle. Um, do I think we'll get relegated? No, no I didn't. Um, and does the season so far give me any cause for concern? Not particularly. Um, we've lost to three of probably you know Europe's most expensively assembled sides. Maybe you can take Spurs out in, in terms of they haven't invested for a while, but if you look at the value of their players on paper, they are, they're very, very, very highly valued. Um, and they're a lot of the more expensive when they bought them. Um, and they're an excellent side. And... You know, we've lost by narrow margins. We lost with a kind of almost last-minute own goal against Chelsea. Um, we lost to a Kyle Walker screamer yesterday. Um, Spurs, I thought we were unlucky to lose. Loris pulled off a couple of good saves. And we could have had three points against Cardiff despite a poor performance. Um, I'm not concerned at the minute. Looking at the, next, looking at the next six games, you know what? If the next six games, Arsenal home, Palace away, Leicester home, Manu away, Brighton home, Southampton away. I think if we get to the end of those games with 10-11 points on the board, then I'll feel... I'll feel fairly confident we're going to be all right. Well said. Um, yeah, I mean, the great thing is... Great, that's a huge exaggeration. The, posit- <laughs> the positive thing is is that we've only lost by the odd goal to the teams that will probably make up the top three. Um, and we definitely deserve something from Spurs. Um, you know, we were um, two really bad refereeing decisions away against Chelsea. Um, and you know Man City was, was you know despite it being close, we deserve to lose that game. I, I can't argue the case for a point, but ultimately you know looking at the teams above us, Cardiff have yet to play. If they lose to Arsenal today, you know two points from their fixtures, you know that's really poor. Huddersfield decent point at Everton, 
Um, West Ham, these of all these teams, in my opinion, I mean, even the likes of Brighton, if you look at who they've faced, uh, and Palace, um, they've had worse starts to the season than, than we have, in my opinion. Um, yeah. So there's there's definitely scope there for other teams being bad, and I think I've seen enough from us in a, depend, a defensive capacity to know once again that we're going to concede very few goals. Obviously, the issue that we don't really know yet is at the other end of the pitch, and I'm, I'm, I'm hearing that the Palace game there, there's a lot of pressure on that game. Um, the Brighton and Southampton games are, are massive games already. I mean, Southampton won at Palace yesterday, but they were, they were poor again. I mean, Palace missed countless chances. Um, so Southampton look a really poor side. So I think before the next international break, when we'll come back next time, after this one, we will know a lot more about where we are, we're heading in terms of the season. Um, and I think, you know, as usual, we'll have a fan base with the, the you know, the patience of greater than any other fan base in, in the country, quite clearly, in my opinion, um, considering how, you know, what we'll put up with in terms of the, the owner and all that kind of stuff. And, and the fact that, you know, the Newcastle fans at the minute, according to, to the media and, and over the years, should be demanding the manager's head, should be kicking off, should be complaining about the standard of football. But everyone seems to be understand that we're in this together, we're in the, this season. Yeah, I see a lot of people say Rafa shouldn't be above criticism. Yeah, criticism, you know, whatever whatever makes you happy. If, if you feel that the manager should be doing better, it's absolutely fine as long as we stay behind the team in games, which everyone seems to be doing. The away end, by all accounts, yesterday, we had John there at the match representing True Faith. He did the Match Day podcast, which is out for patrons. Um, Steve Warwick wrote the match report on Twitter, so we had two lads there. By all accounts, uh, fantastic support from Newcastle from the away end. Sounded great on telly. Um, everyone's in this together, and I think we'll start seeing kind of rewards for that in the spell of games that we've talked about. Uh, back to the listeners and what, and what you lads and lasses think. We'll put the poll out... Um, do you think that United are going to stay up this season? 65% yes, which is a pretty big majority. 11% no, which is very small. 24% simply don't know yet, which is a perfectly reasonable answer. That's why I put it there, because you know we'll have to see us win some games ultimately and score a few goals, and we're doing neither at the minute. Um, but for reasons that we've talked about in terms of the fixtures, in terms of that bad luck that we've had. So, you know, I thought Newcastle were, were very good yesterday, and, um, and it, it did as much as I thought we could have. Like I said earlier, Huddersfield went, had his little possession, got everyone behind the ball and got beat 6-1. Um, so it could have been far, far worse. Uh, I suppose, Norman, I was supposed to uh, ask you how was, uh, or you were supposed to ask John how was his day, but uh, we're unable to talk to him uh, for Wi-Fi reasons um, up in Manchester. But So I suppose we'll just finish off on um, you know, your thoughts on on, on like where, where United go from here. I know I'm going to put, put you under a lot of pressure now. Um, and say, you know, when when do you think we'll start picking up fixtures? Do you, do you see those two Brighton and Southampton games as, as winnable games, or are we still going to be in that part of the season where Rafa sees it as must not lose? Um, I see Arsenal home as a pretty, um, potential for picking up um, one to three points. Palace away, one to three points. Um, Manuel away, regard, uh, sorry, Leicester home, that's a game that I think we have to pick up three points in. Um, if, if, if we haven't picked up three points against either Arsenal or Palace, there's, there's going to be a lot of pressure on the Leicester match because Leicester are okay under Puel. You know they're they're, they're well drilled, they're organised, but they can be got that. They've got um, as we uh, as we saw yesterday, as good as Maguire is, Wes Morgan's is a is a major major weakness. Um, I think actually, unfortunately for us, I think Morgan will prefer to come up against someone like Rondon than a, than a kind of Dwight Gale type centre forward. Um, but I think that's a big game. I think Manu away, regardless of how. Uh, how bad they might be at the moment under Mourinho, you know, we could probably call that one as a as a write off. Um Brighton home, huge, 
Southampton away. Usually there are these are big games, you know, and I'm looking at these six fixtures and I'm thinking, well, if we can get three wins out of the six and maybe a draw, i.e. 10 points from the six game, which is perfectly feasible, then then I'll be really, really happy with that. Um, seven points out of those six games, okay, you know, we've had a couple of wins in there, great. That'll be good for confidence, but would still be a bit concerned being at the end of October on only eight points. Um, and if we only get four points out in these six games, then I'll probably start to get a little bit twitchy. Um, and that's, you know, that's a rarity for me because I tend, you know, I, I tend not uh, not to panic with with a Rafa Benitez Newcastle United say, but I think maybe getting to the end of October with only five or six points on the board, then the, I think the worry will be, will be quite real. So, but you know what, mate, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. We're going to get, we'll get 10 points out these next six <laughs> games. Um, the, and the, the John thing, I'll just mention, the Wi-Fi thing is a pretty, it's a pretty funny story. Um, he's up in Manchester for work and he's staying in an Airbnb and basically the people he's renting from, he said they're quite, um, you know, they're on the rather senior side, um, two, two women, quite old. Uh, yeah, I'm thinking he's saying in their 70s or 80s and he's asked them for a Wi-Fi password and they've just got no, no idea what he's talking about at all. <laughs> they've got no idea what Wi-Fi is, so there you go. What a lovely way to live, eh? <laughs> I know, mate, absolutely. It sounds ideal, doesn't it? They aren't uh, logging onto social media saying someone say Rafa's a load of shite and we should be attacking Man City and logging straight off. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't have those issues. Um, uh, okay, well, I suppose this has been the True Faith podcast. Um, bit of a short, shorter show this week because there isn't a tremendous amount to talk about. Thank you all so much for tuning in. And like I said, give us a... Give us a give us your support on Patreon if you if you like the show, it's massively appreciated, and we'll be back. Um, well, we'll be back. I don't know because Mick, you might have been listening to Mick's fantastic podcast with um, the lads from Rangers, the uh, Sons of Struth, uh, and Ian Moon's MP. We've got all sorts of that kind of stuff coming up in the next couple of weeks. We're going to try and do as much stuff on football governance and Mike Ashley as we can with with people who know what they're talking about. Um, otherwise, we'll be back with you. Hopefully after a much needed win against a, a very a very average Arsenal side. Cheers. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.